This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. A wonderful good morning to you. Wasn't it beautiful out there? Did you see the snow up on the hills? That's a great thing about living where we live. You can see the snow, but you don't have to be in the snow, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's the best of both worlds. So for those of you who are brand new, my name is Ron, and I'm on the teaching staff, on the pastoral staff. And I would just like to say, along with Angela, I'm not just on the staff. I'm an investor in this church, and not just financially. I'm an investor of my heart and my soul. And I am excited about where God is taking us. I'm proud of what God is doing through us. Uh, And I can tell you 2019 is going to be a year that you don't want to miss. So, For those of you who are brand new, welcome along on the journey. It's going to be an absolutely fantastic one. For those of you who come here all the time, um, it's always fun to greet you. For those of you who might be skeptics and uh, somebody drug you along to church, I just want to say I hope that you encounter something today that makes believing in Jesus a little more plausible for you. You might not step all the way over that line today, that's okay. But if it makes it a little more plausible to you, because I believe that Jesus is the one who came, and in following him, we find the greatest life possible. It's absolutely fantastic. I love every minute of it. So, for those of you viewing online, hey, thanks for coming along on the journey this morning. Thank you for joining in. And I, I hope wherever you are that, you're, that this is a message that connects with you. So, Here's where we're headed. We are in this series called One Voice, and it says we can do more together, and Angela set that up so well for us. So let's jump in. This is only the second teaching in this series, and I want to point out a couple of things that we learned from last week. And the first is that next gen is going to be a principal emphasis in our church. Actually, it's going to be one of the top four or five things that we emphasize for the foreseeable future. So it is huge. And there's a reason why we are unveiling a whole new approach. uh, And you're not going to want to miss February the 24th is a community update meeting at two o'clock in the afternoon. And we're going to lay out how it's going to be an emphasis in our church. And then the second thing that we learned was showing up over and over again is our best way to influence kids in our world. And the key that we were talking about is we want to be the village that influences the kids in our world. And we want to be a village that influences every kid possible. Not just our kids or grandkids or nephews and nieces. We want to be influencers in the lives of our children across the board. And at the very end of the teaching last week, we introduced a concept called phases that all kids go through phases. And I said to you, I'm up here surrounded, basically, by phase material. And please feel free to come up after I'm done speaking and look at these materials. They will all be available in a resource center that we're going to build into our facility. You can hear more about that on the 24th. But it's important for us to recognize the phases that all kids go through because a phase is a time frame in a kid's life. When we can leverage, leverage not for our convenience, leverage for their good. 
very distinctive opportunities. We have windows of opportunities in every phase that a child goes through. And if we will take advantage of those windows and help those children learn and develop certain skills, perspectives, and paradigms, during that phase, it's the, it's the time in their life when they're most open to it, when it's the easiest for them to learn, and when it will stay with them the longest. It's a phenomenal opportunity, these distinctive opportunities, to influence and shape their future. So over the next two weeks, we're going to be covering six things. Angela began to talk to you about them. We're calling them six things over time. And I'll explain how that works in just a couple of minutes. Today we're going to talk about time, we're going to talk about words, and we're going to talk about love. Now I want to say a couple of things to all of us. First of all, to parents, the six things that we're going to be talking about over, over today and next week are I'm pretty much, for, for all of you, there are six things that you're already doing. So I'm not here, and Angela's not going to be here next week, to ramp up the guilt level so we can sort of make you feel guilty enough that you go do what you need to do. I want you to hear up front, these are six things that I know you're already doing. Now, if we can give you some tools that will actually make you better at it, you'll probably enjoy that. So we're going to lay out some tools that will actually help you get better at it. But these are six things that you're already doing. For the rest of us, these are six things. These are six investments that we can make in the coming generation that will really set the coming generation up to thrive. It will help them to have a really good view of who God is, a really good view of who they are, a really good view of who other people are, a really good view of how the world that they are born into, how does it work? What makes people in it thrive? What makes other people in it struggle and not do well? What is it that makes some people in this world that they're in, what, what is it that makes them filled with joy and happiness and this sort of indefatigable spirit of optimism? And what is it that makes other people so dour? And more importantly, how can they choose to be on the side where life is fun? So six things. The first thing that we have to know is that life is better caught than taught. I have a question for you. I want you to think of one thing in your life where you are absolutely shocked that you are like your parents. You never thought you'd be like them in this way. For some of you, that's a wonderfully pleasant thought, and for others, it's a little more challenging, right? Yeah, for some of you, I swore I would never do this, and I find myself doing it. You know why? Because I'm going to guess your parents didn't teach you that. You caught it from just being around them. And the most powerful things in life are actually caught. They're not taught. And there's a reason for that. And and I'm going to teach you about the flywheel principle. And I'm going to read an excerpt from Jim Collins' book, Good to Great. It goes like this. Picture a huge, heavy flywheel. A massive metal disc mounted horizontally on an axle. 
about 30 feet in diameter. So massive, would, would go from almost one end of our stage to the other. Now, it weighs over 5,000 pounds, and imagine that your task is to get that flywheel rotating on its axle as fast as you can. Pushing with great effort, you get the flywheel to inch forward, moving almost imperceptibly at first. You keep pushing, and after two or three hours of persistent effort, you get the flywheel to complete one entire turn. You keep pushing, and the flywheel begins to move a bit faster. And with continued effort, you move it around a second rotation. You keep pushing, and in a consistent direction, three turns, four, five, six, the flywheel begins to build up speed. Seven, eight, you keep pushing. Nine, ten, it builds more momentum. Eleven, twelve, moving faster with each turn. Thirty, fifty, a hundred. Then at some point, you reach breakthrough, and the momentum of the thing begins to turn in your favor, hurtling that flywheel forward turn after turn. Whoosh, its own heavy weight working for you. You're pushing no harder than you did during the first rotation, but the flywheel goes faster and faster. Each turn of the flywheel builds upon the work done earlier, compounding the investment of your effort. Now, suppose someone came along and asked you, what was the one big push that caused this thing to go so fast? You wouldn't be able to answer. It's a nonsensical question. It was all of them added together in an overall accumulation of effort applied in a consistent direction. Now, if I could just leave you with that picture. Because the six things that we're going to talk about this week and next are like pushes on that flywheel. And it's not the big pushes that we make that actually make the difference. It's the little pushes, time after time after time, in a consistent direction that creates this accumulative energy that actually influences and shapes our children's and our kids' lives. Because you have to know that influence over time accumulates. That's why God wrote this. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up, it's that whole flywheel effect. And all six of these things actually gain their power when they are consistently invested in over time. For those of you who are mathematicians, time is the constant in each of these formulas of influence. So the first one we're going to look at is this. Time over time equals history. Did you know that from birth through graduation, a kid is writing his story? That's history. 
Get with me for just a minute. Every kid born, every single one, is a historian. And every day, they write an, in, an entrance into their history of their life. They're writing in it moment by moment by moment. And the interesting thing about this story is the story will be the backdrop they use to make all of their future choices. Yeah, it's the accumulation of all of their experiences. Now, here's a really important thing for us to note. Kids write their own story. You can't write it for them. It's impossible. They are the only authors of their story. But you and I can't influence what they choose to write. That's the amazing thing about being an influencer. And again, this is not about parents. Yes, parents have a huge role to play. This is about the village. This is about how all of us work together. Together we can do more. This is about all of us speaking with one voice into the life of our coming generation and helping them write a great story of their lives. Here's what we know about kids. Kids thrive. They thrive when they enjoy. I just want to stop right there. Okay? Can we just all agree, when you're correcting a child that does not fit under the category of enjoy, it's necessary, but it's not enjoyable. Okay? Kids thrive. It means that they love life. It means that they're glad to get up every day. It means that they go through their life expecting people to treat them well. And it means eventually, when they exit childhood and enter adulthood, it means that they're set up to succeed and to continue thriving. Now, kids thrive when they enjoy the consistent. This is the consistent little pushes. In the next point, I'm going to teach you how in less than two minutes you can make a very significant investment in anyone's life. How about that? Small push. Small push. Consistent direction. When they enjoy the company, the consistent company of a variety. Okay? At this point, parents, you don't count. Okay? Your kids are stuck with you. You didn't vote to get them, and they didn't vote to get you, right? It's just how life worked, okay? But what makes kids thrive is when they have a variety of, of adults who are making the same consistent investments in their lives. And when kids have a variety of adults that are doing that, and they are fully present... On your phone doesn't count. Sitting beside them or, or in the stands just while they're out on the basketball court, well, that's a good thing. That doesn't, that, that doesn't speak volumes to them. It's when you're fully present. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the future. But this is the thing. Kids thrive when they get that consistent investment by a variety of adults who are all pushing the flywheel in the same direction, and they're all fully present 
when they're with the kids. The key here is presence. It means when I'm fully present with anyone, it means that they are the focus of my attention and I am fully available to them. This is quality time. This is why we're saying quality time across the span of a long period of time helps kids write a great history of their childhood. It's what shapes that history. It's time over time. It's why God said to Moses, right after Moses told the the ancient nation of Israel the most important commandment in all of Scripture, and Jesus came along and said the same thing, and that is, you should love the Lord with all your heart and everything that's in you. The very next verse goes like this. Write these precepts. A precept is a principle of life that I've given you today on your hearts. And then he says, get them inside you. Don't just memorize them. Make them part of who you are. And then look what he says next. And then get them inside your children. Don't just have your children memorize them, but help your children learn how to live with these precepts at the very core of who they are because the story that they'll write then will be an amazing story. He goes on to say, How are you going to do that? We're going to talk about these precepts wherever you are, sitting at home. There's a a subtle thing there, okay? Can I just say it's a good thing to sit at home with your kids? No electronics. That doesn't count as sitting at home, okay? When you're sitting at home, then he goes on to say, or when you're walking in the street. Now, these people walked everywhere they went. So for you and me, this would be when we're in the car. That's how we get from place to place. And then he goes on to say, talk about them from the time you get up till the time you go to bed at night. In other words, small, consistent pushes on this flywheel of quality time over a long period of time working on this paradigm of who God is and who they are and who other people are and how their world works, there's this amazing accumulation that helps a child write a great story. Because the truth is, time, quality time, over, a, over time, a long period of time, is the best strategy for helping a kid write his story. That's why time over time equals history. The second thing is this, words over time. What we say over time has amazing influence because from birth through graduation, a kid is forming his or her personal powers of reason. And the amazing thing about our words is our words have the ability to help children learn how to think and how to analyze, and how to perceive what's going on in their world. And when they learn how to think, and they learn how to reason, and they learn how to analyze, they learn how to make good choices, and in the end, it helps set the direction for their whole life. I just want to take a time out and say something, okay? Because we're going to talk about three things this morning that are really powerful. 
And next week, we're going to talk about three more. They're really powerful. And I can tell on some of your faces, you're looking at me like, oh, I don't want to mess this up. That's not why I'm talking to you. The opportunity we have is phenomenal. If we spent less time worrying about how to mess it up, and we spent more time looking for the opportunity to invest, we wouldn't have to worry about messing it up. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah, again, we're not ratcheting up the guilt. This is opportunity. And our words have an amazing opportunity to help our children learn how to think and how to analyze and how to make good choices. And I want to take you through a progression that comes out of years of research. And, and I said a while ago, I was going to show you how in two minutes you could make a huge investment in someone's life that could actually and probably will actually change them. So let's look at this progression. Did you know that words create thoughts? By the way, if you did not know that, uh, Communication 101, that's the reason why you talk is to create thoughts in people, right? Otherwise, you're wasting your time. So words create thoughts. Look at this. If a kid holds on to a thought for 17 seconds, that's basically a quarter of a minute. If a kid hangs on to a thought for 17 seconds, it creates a feeling in them. Now they've gone from not just having an idea But now they have an idea that starts to change how they feel on the inside. Look at this. If a kid holds on to a feeling just for 17 seconds, it creates a mood in them. Not just a momentary feeling, it creates an actual mood that begins to color how they look at their world and how they look at other people in their world, this mood is starting to settle on them. Now we've had two periods of 17 seconds for those mathematicians. Where are we? 34 seconds. We're just over half a minute, right? Look at this. If a kid holds on to a mood for 68 seconds, that's a little over a minute. It creates a culture in them. Not just a feeling, not just an idea, not just a thought. We've gone from a thought to a feeling to a mood and now a culture. And here's what all the research shows. He or she will live in that culture until something interrupts it. Wow. 17 and 17 is 34 and 68. Those of you who are really good, what does that make? 102, okay? That's less than two minutes. That's 102 seconds. Wow. Do you realize what that says to you and me? That if we have enough time that we can spare two minutes for a child, we can make a difference in their world. Isn't that phenomenal? Yeah. By the way, those statistics do not vary with age. You can do that with any person. Wow. No wonder the brother of Jesus, a guy by the name of James, wrote this. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything. 
And then he goes, uh, or destroy it. Right. Yeah. Words over time help kids choose a direction. It's also why the Apostle Paul, one of Jesus' closest followers, said, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear. Now, here's where we can all probably learn something. Because it's the default setting of most of us adults to believe that the most important words that we say to a child are words of instruction. It's not actually true. The key here is curiosity. When we can approach a child with curiosity, there's an amazing thing that happens. They learn how to think. When we think for them and just instruct them, they don't learn how to think. But when we approach them with curiosity, then we actually get involved in the process of helping them learn how to think and analyze. If you want to write something in your notes, write this. Questions are more powerful than orders. Those sorts of words, over time, help a child choose a great direction. Because words over time is the best strategy for helping a kid think and reason well. Let's go to the third one, and it's really important. That is love over time equals worth. Huh. Did you know that the, from birth through graduation, a kid is forming his or her sense of personal worth? You probably all knew that one, right? Yeah. We know that, okay? Let's look at this. The way we love kids while they're kids dramatically affects how they love themselves. It's not that we love them, it's the way that we love them. So how can we help our children? How can we help the coming generation? How can we as aunties and uncles help our nieces and nephews? How can we help them feel loved? It might sound maybe too elementary, but it is true. There's only one way that you can communicate love to the coming generation. Are you ready? You have to prove it. That's it. You have to prove it. That's what God did for us. Notice the Apostle Paul wrote, God showed, God proved his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. What's the last phrase? While we were still sinners. Huh. The key here is affirmation, especially when they struggle. I shared with a group of people recently, the most powerful lesson I ever learned on parenting was taught to me by a 14-year-old kid. Now, I've been to a lot of seminars, and I've read a lot of books and all kinds of stuff, but the most powerful lesson I ever learned about parenting was taught to me by a 14-year-old kid. And if you've been coming here a long time, you've heard this story, so please consider it a reminder. Our oldest child, Anthony, was 14, and I was in his room one day talking to him 
about one of the 50 things that he had done wrong in that day. Anybody relate to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, and I was doing it nicely and I was doing it kindly and, and I, was, I was doing all the stuff that I had learned in, in seminars and I looked into his eyes and I had always parented not for compliance. I had always parented to try to help our kids think and reason and be involved. And I could see in his eyes that look that said, Dad, are you done talking? Because I'm, I quit listening a long time ago. Ever seen that look in a kid's eye? Yeah, you've all had that, right? Yeah. So I stopped what I was saying. And I said, Anthony, what's wrong? You got that look on your face. Said, Dad, are you done talking? Because I'm done listening. I will never, ever forget what he said. He said, Dad, it's like you don't enjoy being my dad anymore. True confession. You know the first thing that popped into my mind? If you would just straighten up and fly right, I could enjoy this. You ever had that thought before? Of course you have. Yes, yes. Thank God. That's right. He stopped me. And I realized in that moment, I had a chance to do all three of these at once. I had the chance to spend quality time with my son. I had the chance to invest words in him that would make a difference in his life. And I had the chance to invest love in him. I stopped what I was saying. I said, Anthony, thank you for saying that. I needed to hear that. Look, I don't know what eventually you'll do with your life. I have a feeling that you're going to do really good things with your life. I believe in you. But even if you choose not to, I want you to know that being your dad is one of the greatest privileges I will ever get in this life. And I promise you that you will see enjoyment on my face because I have enjoyment in my heart in every interaction we have. Are we good? He came up and gave me a hug. I cried. I don't think he cried. <laughs> Takes a lot to get a 14-year-old guy to cry, right? Yeah. Because the truth is, here it is. The key is affirmation, especially when they struggle. That's how you prove it. When they're not struggling, you have nothing to prove. Correct? Shake your head like this. Correct? It's just natural. They know that. It's when they're struggling and they're disappointing you and they're falling short that you have the opportunity to express to them words of affirmation. And when you do, they will write a narrative about themselves in the midst of their struggle that they are still worthy.
Because love over a long span of time is the best strategy for helping a kid know that he or she really matters. So, there are three things that I'd like to invite us to do before we go. No, after we go. How's that? First one is, come back next week, all right? You don't want to get the first three and miss the second three, right? Because the second three are just as important, and it's going to be a powerful, powerful morning. Secondly, pray about your role, okay? Angela said, we're getting ready to launch a whole new strategy for how we all have a role to play in empowering the coming generation. Pray about your role. What part of that could I have? And I have to tell you, we have the coolest thing you're going to get. Not next week, the week after that, all right? Next week, you'll hear a little bit more about it that will really help you determine what your role might be. And then this is where you go out and you do a test run, okay? And then it's find a kid this week and make an investment in him. Okay, if you're a parent, not your own kid, I assume you're doing that every day, all right? So find somebody else's kid that you can make an investment in this week. Let's pray. God, thank you, thank you for the coming generation. Thank you for giving us as adults these amazing opportunities to invest in them in ways that make a difference. Would you help us this week as we go look for a kid And would you help us uh, to just spend time with them, to, to have words of affirmation that will help them learn how to think, to be curious about their world, and to prove our love for them. Thank you, God, for doing all of that with us over and over and over again. We bless you and we pray it in your name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.